Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into my show, Web3 Deep Dive. Web3 Deep Dive is the only podcast that goes in-depth on all topics related to Web3, including blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, AI, the metaverse, and more. I'm your host, Rachel Wolfson, a well-known journalist, author, and public speaker who has been covering the blockchain sector since 2017 for various publications like Forbes and Cointelegraph. Before we get started, please make sure you subscribe to the Web3 Deep Dive channel and be sure to click any notification button so you stay up to date on the show's new content. And remember, this show does not offer any financial advice. It's purely educational and entertainment purposes only. I also want to thank my sponsor, Worsta, for producing this show. Worsta is a global technology consultancy with headquarters in Austin, Texas and Quito, Ecuador. Worsta helps businesses make sound technology decisions on everything from security and collaboration to infrastructure and Web3. Without further ado, let's get started with the show. Hey everyone, it's Rachel Wolfson here. Today, I'm so excited to interview my next guest, David Kemmer. He is the CEO and co-founder of CoinLedger. We're going to be speaking about cryptocurrency and taxes and how that's all related in the United States. So get ready for episode number three of Web3 Deep Dive. Hey, David, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Web3 Deep Dive today. David, so you are the CEO and co-founder of CoinLedger, correct? That's right. Yep. I have been for the past like five years now. Cool. Okay. And tell us a little bit about CoinLedger. What is it, what is it that you guys do? So CoinLedger is a cryptocurrency and digital asset tax software platform. So really what it does is it automates all of the tax reporting process for anyone who has bought, sold, traded, or transacted with cryptocurrencies. The simplest way to think about it is it's like TurboTax, but for cryptocurrency. Got it. Okay, so TurboTax for cryptocurrency. And when was CoinLedger founded and started? <clears throat> so the idea was kind of born in the fall of 2017 when Bitcoin was first ripping the, to 20,000 that first time. Um, and then we officially got the first version of the product which was pretty bad, but the first version out the door in the spring of 2018, and then you know we've been at it ever since then. Got it, right. So, and you mentioned Bitcoin. So by the way, I'm just gonna um, give a shout out to Bitcoin today because Bitcoin is over $30,000, which we haven't seen that happen in quite a while, right? Yeah, I, I actually flagged that to our team in Slack today. It was like a congratulations to 30K Bitcoin again. Yeah, how does that make you feel? <laughs> well, it's good. It's good for it's good for us. It's good for everyone in the space. Like frankly, price action, you know, brings more people into the industry for for better or worse, and so we're not immune to that as more people come into the industry, more people have the problem that we solve. So it's good for our business, it's good for the space, it's good for everything really. Right. So before we start talking about crypto and taxes, which it's extremely important right now, given that next week people need to file their taxes, and I'm sure a lot of people are scrambling, especially when it comes to crypto. But I want to know a little bit about you, David, before we get started. So tell me how you got involved with Web3. Mm -hmm. So... <clears throat> Kind of in a roundabout way, but it was 2017, and again, Bitcoin was running up for that first time, and it was kind of mania. Everyone was talking about it. Uh, 
I'll, I don't know if I should give the long version or the short version. I'll, I'll keep it midi, medium version. But um, I had a good friend who started doing arbitrage and market making on like early exchanges. And, you know, there wasn't a ton of exchanges back then. Like Binance had just come on the scene. Obviously, you had Coinbase, um, other international ones. Anyways, he was making a fair amount of money doing, you know, high volume market making trading strategies and writing software, building tools to automate that. And so I found that extremely interesting. I started doing a similar thing with my now partners and we were racking up hundreds of thousands of trades through these market making systems that we'd built um, again in the fall of 2017. And so what I didn't know at the time that I know now is that every single time we were, our system was making a trade that's technically triggering a capital gains tax event. And so again, we had hundreds of thousands of trades. And so that's kind of how I got in, but, and that's also how I got exposed to the tax problem was through that system we built in the hundreds of thousand trades once tax season rolled around and we learned, wait, we have to essentially calculate every single capital gain for every single one of those trades and report that on our taxes. You know, there was like no way to do that at that time. And we were kind of freaking out being like, well, we have no way to legally report this. Um, but that's how I got in the space and then have been in it ever since. And, you know, a whole bunch of new crazy things have come since then. I mean, back then it was spot markets and centralized exchanges. And now you have DeFi and NFTs and, you know, credit markets have developed and it's pretty crazy to see the growth of the space. Right. Now, do you have an accounting background? No, I am a growth person. So okay. my all my background is growth marketing, sales, um, and like growing things, Got right? it. growing businesses. Um, the, the thing that I tell people is yes, coin ledger is a tax product, but really the problem we solve is like a data problem, right? Okay. So we have to, and this is the pain point of the space is the actual tax calculations are very easy, right? It's just arithmetic. You're subtracting one number from another to calculate a capital gain or loss or income. Um, but what's really hard is in crypto, the data that you need to reconcile is extremely fragmented, right? It could be some of it's on a centralized exchange, some of it's on your cold wallet, some of it's, some of it's in BlockFi or Celsius, RIP, some of it's in DeFi protocols, and you actually have to aggregate all of that data to track your assets as they move from one wallet to another and to track your, what's known as your cost basis. And that's how, how you calculate your capital gains and losses. And so that's really the problem and the value add that Coin Ledger provides is we'll pull in and suck in all of that data, right? We're, we're like a data integration company. And then it makes it really easy for you to account for all of your transactions across all of your wallets. Um, so... That was a long-winded answer, but my background is all in, in, in growth. Got it. Okay. So basically, Coin Ledger is not an accountant. It's not a CPA that you can call up and be like, hey, I want to use Coin Ledger to do my taxes, but rather you are a software solution that maybe integrates with different tax platforms. Is that correct? <clears throat> yeah. We're, it's a DIY tax software okay. platform. So you're right. We're, like, we're not like going to just like... Uh, do your taxes for you. It's like TurboTax where you'll sign up with CoinLedger, you'll link your wallets and exchanges, we'll pull in all of that data, and then you will spit out and auto-generate your tax forms. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a platform to do your crypto taxes, so I don't want to make that unclear, but you're right. Like We're not people coming and doing them for you right. manually, right? right? It is just software to automate it for you. 
Okay, cool. Let's dig into crypto taxes. Mm -hmm. Such a fun topic and extremely relevant. So there seems to be a lot of confusion in the crypto sector and outside of the crypto sector when it comes to taxes and cryptocurrency. So what what rules are we seeing now that have been implemented in the United States that crypto investors have to follow in order to pay their taxes correctly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in the US, it's actually been pretty um, clear what the rules are. The IRS, for the first time in 2014, kind of released their guidance on how they're you know, treating cryptocurrencies and digital assets. And you know, from there, unlike other areas of crypto where it's extremely opaque and unclear, I'm talking like the SEC and securities laws, right? That actually doesn't apply to the tax case as much. Um, and so the IRS in 2014 came out and said cryptocurrencies are treated as property for tax purposes. Other forms of property you might be familiar with would be like stocks, real estate. And so what they, you know, what that means is just like other forms of property, when you dispose of a crypto asset like Bitcoin, you're realizing either a capital gain or a capital loss on that disposal event. And that's exactly how it works for stocks. So a simple example is, let's say I buy Apple stock for $100 and a month later I sell it for $150. So that disposal is what's known as a taxable event. And you, in that case, realized $50 of capital gains, right? Because your cost basis in the stock was $100, your proceeds was $150, and that $50 is a capital gain, and that's a form of taxable income. And the exact same holds true with cryptocurrencies, right? If I buy $10,000 of Bitcoin, and some amount of time later I sell it, let's say, for $15,000, again, it's that difference, that $5,000 of gain is capital gains, and you know, you're taxed on that. And so that has been you know, the case since 2014. It's very clear that has never changed. Now, where there's still some gray areas is much more nuanced cases of crypto, you know, DeFi, wrapping tokens, um, certain staking mechanisms, that can be a little more gray, but it is fairly straightforward that, hey, disposing of a capital asset, aka property like cryptocurrency, does trigger a taxable event. Um, and again, that's held true for now the past almost nine years. Um, so that regulation is actually pretty straightforward and that's at a high level how the, the tax implications work. Got it. So as you were saying, it's pretty straightforward. It's mm -hmm. pretty clear. It's been around since 2014. But interestingly enough, I've seen studies, and I'm getting a lot of press releases now in my email because we are approaching tax day. I've seen studies that say 95% or something like that of crypto investors are not paying their taxes. And they're saying, you know, regulation is unclear and people don't know what to do. I mean, do you think that that's actually the case? Why is it that we're seeing some people not pay their taxes when it comes to cryptocurrency? Mm -hmm. So number one, I saw that same press release and it was mostly released just for press purposes, right? It's designed to get clicks. It's not an accurate study. The way they did it was completely crazy and it was just designed to generate headlines. So I wouldn't take that one too much into account, but you're right. A lot of people aren't paying their crypto taxes, even though you could argue that it's pretty clear in most countries that it is clearly taxable. So why is that? And it's mostly because the same enforcement mechanisms that governments use you know, uh, and have used for many, many decades to 
ensure and enforce, you know, tax payments and make sure uh, taxability is happening as it as the law is written don't exist yet in the world of crypto. The, the very simple example is, you know, if you are, again, trading, buying, selling stocks, uh, any broker, right, let's say Robinhood or Charles Schwab or E-Trade, at the end of the year, they're required by law to give both you, the taxpayer, and the IRS a copy, you know, a 1099 of all of your, you know, dispositions, all of your taxable events that happened on their brokerage. And the IRS receives that 1099, 1099 and when you file your tax return, they verify that, oh yeah, what was reported to us by Robinhood matches what you, Rachel, reported on your tax return. And those same, that same set of laws don't actually exist right now in the world of crypto. And so one of the big, big reasons why crypto tax compliance is lower than other similar asset class tax compliance, which again, the proxy is stocks, is because those enforcement rails aren't yet you know, stitched into law. Now they're happening, and I'm sure we can talk about that. But um, at its simplest, Coinbase, Gemini, Binance US, they're not reporting all of your transactions to the IRS. And so a lot of folks feel, well, hey, if I didn't receive a 1099, I'm not gonna include this on my taxes. And so um, that's a big reason. The other thing is it's still a new asset class. You know, a lot of folks are educating in the space, but some people just don't know, right, that it's taxable even though you could say there's clear-cut guidance. Um, so I'd say those are two of the biggest reasons is one, it's new, it's still being learned, educated by folks, you know, podcasts like this, but then two, those same enforcement mechanisms that are used in other pieces of the financial system don't yet exist in crypto. Okay, got it. Let's talk a little bit about some tips that crypto investors should know about. So tax loss harvesting, and I interviewed you for an article I recently wrote on the topic, but can you talk a little bit about what tax loss harvesting is and how it works in the crypto space? Yes, so <clears throat> we've written all about this. You know, Tax loss harvesting is not new to crypto. This is a tax minimization strategy that's been used for many, many, many years. And all it is is it's simply, you know, if you're sitting and you're holding assets that are in a quote unquote underwater or loss position, but you haven't sold or traded out of them and, you know, just quote unquote disposed of them, you're sitting on an unrealized loss, right? And as we know, that unrealized gains or losses are not taxable. The taxable event happens again, as I mentioned, when you dispose of the asset. So what tax loss harvesting strategies try to do is they try to harvest or realize those quote unquote unrealized losses because capital losses, you know, are going to reduce your taxable income for the year. So fancy jargon to just say, you know, if you were to sell and harvest that unrealized loss, you'd be lowering your taxable income. So we can go through an example. Let's say I bought, just to keep it easy, Bitcoin, and it, let's say I bought one Bitcoin and it was worth $30,000, let's say a year ago. Um, just for example, let's say this year it's only worth 20,000. So I'm sitting on a $10,000 unrealized loss. You know, I can trade out of that Bitcoin, I can trade it for cash, or I could trade to another cryptocurrency, and that would quote, book 
the capital loss. I would realize $10,000 of capital losses. And so that's a form of tax loss harvesting. And now I can use that $10,000 loss to deduct against other forms of capital gains, right? Let's say maybe I made money in the stock market, right? So that $10,000 loss could offset all, all of those capital gains. And if I have a net capital loss for the year, I can deduct against a certain threshold of my ordinary income outside of capital gains, capital losses. I know this starts to get a little bit confusing. Um, but at its highest level, cryptocurrency is a great candidate for tax loss harvesting because of how volatile the asset is, right? Because it is more so than other assets going up and down, there's a lot of opportunities for investors throughout the year to, again, harvest losses, which are going to capture you know, tax losses that's gonna lower your taxable income for the year. So December is you know, the month that everyone's always tax loss harvesting, um, and it is a great strategy, so I'd recommend folks um, you know, take a look at their portfolio, see if they have any assets that are in an underwater position, and take advantage of those um, by realizing those losses and harvesting those losses. Got it, but let's say, let's say I bought Bitcoin last year um, for $15,000, and then let's say it goes to 10, but I don't, I can also just do nothing, right? And just let it sit, but then it's also not a taxable event because I'm not disposing, it's just sitting in my wallet. Exactly. And I haven't done anything. Correct. So therefore I don't have to actually pay taxes with it or do I? Cuz I No, yeah, exactly. So that's a good thing that we should have covered right at the start when you asked me, you know, how is cryptocurrency taxed? So <clears throat> some good just rules of thumb. So you're only taxed again when you incur a taxable event. So examples of taxable events, again, anytime you dispose of your crypto. So that could be you selling it for US dollars. That could be you trading it for another cryptocurrency. That could be you using it to buy goods and services, right? That's all a disposal and you'll realize a capital gain or loss. But as you mentioned, what's not a taxable event? Just buying and holding, right? If I bought Bitcoin, I just hold it in a wallet. I haven't realized any income, right? I'm just sitting on the asset. I won't realize any taxable event until I sell trade out of it. Um, transferring one crypto from one wallet that I possess to another wallet I possess is not a taxable event, right? I haven't disposed of the underlying asset. I'm still just holding it. That's not taxable either. Um, so you just have to keep track of where are the taxable events, and that's when you're going to realize some form of income. Now, keep in mind, you can realize a loss, and you're not, paying taxes on that loss, it's actually beneficial to you. You're like essentially going to be getting money back from the government. Um, but yes, I kind of went off a tangent there. Hopefully that's helpful. But yeah, you're right. If you just buy and hold it, even if it's in a loss position, you're not subject to any sort of taxability. You don't even have to report it on your okay. taxes. So that is helpful. And as you can see, I'm confused myself. Yeah. And I've been in the industry since 2017 <laughs> and it's confusing. Mm -hmm. Like. It, yeah, it's, it's easy for me. I forget how complex it can sound. It is pretty straightforward, but there's weird rules. Um, but yes, so you're right. Your understanding and your uh, explanation of the tax loss harvesting example is correct. Okay, so quick question. And first of all, I'm a hodler, so I really don't like dealing with taxes in general and crypto taxes, which is why hodling is a great strategy. And well, when it comes to certain assets like Bitcoin. Um, and hodling just means holding on to it for the listeners that don't know what hodling is it's it's my strategy um so let's say i spend ten dollars worth of bitcoin i buy 
a coffee mm-hmm. at a coffee shop that accepts Bitcoin. So is that a taxable event? Unfortunately, yes, it is. Okay. When you you disposed of the Bitcoin. And so the question you'd ask is, what is your basis in that amount of Bitcoin? And let's say your basis was $8, meaning it cost you to a to acquire that amount of Bitcoin that you spent on that coffee, eight dollars, and then you, you you spent that amount on the coffee and it cost ten dollars. Technically, a two dollar capital gain that you've incurred, which again technically needs to be reported on your taxes. So this is a frustrating and annoying part about the space is you know that prevents some amount of adoption because you know it's not super convenient to be reporting taxes for every time you spend some type of crypto. Right, which also makes it just very inconvenient to spend crypto in general. Exactly. Which is why it's interesting because right now, you know, we're seeing vendors and merchants accept crypto, which is great, but it's like if you spend it, there are these consequences that are super annoying. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's it's annoying mostly for the spender who needs to factor in that capital gain or loss that they realized by spending it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, David, let's talk a little bit about wash trading. Mm-hmm. I wrote about that in the article as mm-hmm. well. Um, I think I asked you about that. But what is wash trading and how can it be beneficial, at mm-hmm. least right now, mm-hmm. for the crypto space? <laughs> yeah, so there's a rule in tax laws, um, very common. Again, I'm going to always compare it to the world of stocks because it's so similar from a tax treatment perspective. But in the world of stocks, right, there's this rule known as the wash sale, where if you buy or sell a security within a 30-day window, so let's say I'm holding Apple stock and I sell it, and within 30 days, I buy it right back. Because I'm within this 30-day window, there's this rule that's called you know, the wash sale where that buy-sell washes out and the IRS treats it as if I never sold that stock in the first place because I bought it back so soon after. Really what they're trying to prevent is people taking advantage of you know, tax losses solely for tax purposes. Um, and you know that's clear. The IRS is very clear that that rule applies to securities and only securities. And as I mentioned earlier, the IRS has clearly defined cryptocurrencies as property. And so right now it's consensus in the space and you know there's legislation trying to close this, but that the wash sale rule does not apply to cryptocurrencies. So this is beneficial for investors, especially from a tax loss harvesting perspective, because let's say December rolls around and you're sitting on $10,000 of losses on some cryptocurrency that you're still bullish on long-term, but again, you want to potentially be able to take advantage of these tax losses because it's going to you know, significantly decrease your tax liability. You can sell that cryptocurrency and buy it back essentially right after or a short period of time after without that sale washing out. You'll still book the tax loss and then you get to re-enter the position and still, you know, hold that asset that you as an investor might be long-term excited and bullish on. And so that's, you know, a great advantageous thing right now for crypto investors in the space is that 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 rule does not apply to cryptocurrencies like it does with stocks currently. Okay, so the rule does not apply for cryptocurrencies right now, but 
that may very well change. It may change. They've been, they've been trying to change it for the past three years, though. I've watched this for a long time, and they've not been able to get it done. So I'm not confident that it will change in the near future. There's been so many versions of legislation that have tried um, to bring cryptocurrency into that same definition that stocks are so that the wash sale rule would apply. Um, but... We'll see. It's, as you know, like legislation is a slow moving and sometimes on and off process. And so we'll just have to watch and see if that does get captured into crypto over time. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, David, because the rules that we're seeing when it comes to crypto taxes are rules that have basically been implemented already for stocks. Right. right? That's what you're saying. Yes, I think. And so. um, You know, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think crypto should have its own mm. set of rules and regulations when it comes to taxes? Or mm. do you think it's it's good what we're seeing now with these sets of rules already in place? Yeah, I think f- for sure it needs to some extent its own rules because while there's similarities, there's also an insane amount of differences between the two asset classes. And, you know, some of the legislation um, is essentially like trying to force a square peg into a round hole. And so to answer your question, yes, I do think you can't just blanketly use legislation that's used to, um, you know, capture and categorize stocks and just paste it onto crypto. It creates all sorts of problems. We could talk some some about those of those problems. Um, but I do think we need pointed specific regulation that, you know, takes into account all of the unique properties of digital assets. Mm-hmm. Well, you said it does create problems. Mm-hmm. Let's get into that, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. What problems do you think it's creating and how can we, you know, what is, how could we maybe change the space moving forward? Mm -hmm. So the biggest problem, in my opinion, I mean, one is the first thing that we talked about, or the second thing, which is spending crypto on goods or services technically right now triggers a taxable event. And Every single time you do that, you technically need to report it on a specific form to the IRS. Again, CoinLedger can automate that, but it's still a huge hassle. What form is that? That's known as Form 8949, and that's the form that's used to report any capital gains and losses. Okay, 8949. 8949. Got it. Which that 8949 flows into Form 1040. And so, again, that's just a form of income on your whole tax return. so I would like to see legislation around stable coins and spending, buying, selling, or suspending st- stable coins on goods and services, not triggering a taxable event because technically stable coins are a, still a form of property, even though they're not an investable asset, right? They're designed to be stable. They're designed to be, you know, effectuated as a medium of exchange. And so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to tax them in the exact same way as Bitcoin, which people are truly investing in for value appreciation. Um, And so that would be great. That's one example of, again, stablecoins right now, blanketly treated the same as Bitcoin. So if you spent USDC on a cup of coffee, while you wouldn't have incurred much gain or loss in spending that, technically you do still need to report it on form 8949. And that's a huge hassle and a huge barrier to using these things in commerce. Um, 
So that's one. But the bigger thing that I'm more concerned about and that affects our world more at CoinLedger is how the IRS and Treasury is thinking about the 1099 information reporting system. And so we touched on it a little bit already, but really what's happening is they're copy pasting these this old system this enforcement mechanism of 1099 reporting onto crypto even though it doesn't fit extremely well into crypto and we can discuss why so again crypto from its fundamental value proposition right is this open and interoperable thing right that's one of the core value propositions is that you don't need a third party to sit on top and verify transactions, right? I can send Bitcoin from me to you with no third party kind of validating that that transaction took place. Now, that's one of the biggest value props, but what it does is, you know, I can buy Bitcoin from Coinbase and I can transfer it off of Coinbase into my own self-custodied wallets. And so, that action right happens millions and millions of times a day and it's very different than the stocks world because it's very uncommon that you know you buy tesla stock from Robinhood and self-custody it, right? Transfer it off of the platform, transfer it into DeFi to go and generate yield, right? That, that doesn't happen as much. And so in this world of stocks, the broker has the ability to give you a 1099 at the end of the year with really everything that happened on their platform. And that form is actually very helpful for you, the taxpayer, to, again, keep track of your gains and losses. What's so different in the crypto world is Coinbase, which you know you could deem is kind of this broker, but they only have a piece of the information. If you ever transferred into or out of Coinbase's platform, you know any of your assets, because again, let's say I have a Coinbase account and I transferred Bitcoin that I had in a self-custodied wallet to their platform and then sold it on the Coinbase exchange. Well, the problem is Coinbase doesn't know what the cost basis of that Bitcoin was. They don't know how much I originally spent to acquire it. They just see that, oh, 1.2 Bitcoin was sent into David's Coinbase wallet. And so very different than, again, Robinhood, where they have all of your transactions typically, and thus they can report and tell you, David, you made $2,000 by selling and trading Tesla stock this year. Coinbase has a huge problem, and not just Coinbase, it's any exchange in that if I transfer it again, crypto into the exchange or out of the exchange, they lose the ability to deterministically tell me what my gains and losses on their platform was. They could tell me, hey, we saw you sold Bitcoin for $40,000, but they don't know my gain or loss, right? They don't know, maybe I spent $30,000 originally to acquire that Bitcoin, and thus my taxable gain is only $10,000. And so this all ties into the 1099 system because in the future, Coinbase is going to have to report to the IRS that transaction. And on Form 1099, there's a column for you know, date acquired, date of asset sold, cost basis of asset, proceeds of asset. And in that scenario where I transferred Bitcoin into Coinbase and sold it on their exchange, they will report my 1099 as such. Date acquired, unknown. Date sold, the data was sold. They, they have that data, they'll report that. Cost basis, unknown. Proceeds, $40,000. So now the IRS just got a form 
tell it saying, oh, David Kemmer, taxpayer ID 471, you know, yada, yada, you know, booked $40,000 of income on our platform. And the IRS will see that. And now it's up to the taxpayer to prove their cost basis in that in the, in that token, because again, Coinbase 1099 said they don't know your, their the cost basis, so that's one small example. But this is going to happen at scale for millions and millions of people, and it's going to create an insanely terrible process because millions of these 1099 forms are going to be sent to the IRS with missing critical data that taxpayers need. Um, it's going to be great for coin for coin ledgers business because so many more people will seek out our services, but it's a really bad solution. And so this ties into your original question of what's some legislation that doesn't make sense for crypto. And I would argue that the 1099 information reporting system just cannot be one-to-one copy pasted into the world of crypto because again the fundamental underpinning of these assets are interoperable um, by default so there's no way to perfectly use this third-party reporting system to report on xyz taxpayers gains and losses yeah that is extremely confusing Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) it made sense in my head (laughs) right let's just go back to where you started um wow okay so Wait, but this actually has not is it's not happening yet. Like well, Coinbase. the law has been passed, so oh, has? that was the infrastructure bill of okay, twenty twenty one. But it has not been uh, like stamped of like this is the date when this has to start happening. It was originally meant to be start happen to start happening January first, twenty twenty three, which is come and gone. But Treasury kind of punted on it because all these businesses are kicking and screaming about all the problems that I just laid out, right? And they're like, Treasury, how do we even go about implementing these re- these requirements that you're saying we have to do? Um, and so Treasury punted on that, and so it's not yet clear of when the official date of like this has to start happening, but it is going to happen. Okay. So it and will... my guess would be by January 1st, 2024. Why do you think that? Well, ear to the ground, you know, I have a lot of tax people in this space, and it's rumored that Treasury is going to be releasing the regs very, very soon, which just defines how this has to be done and kind of how they interpret all of this. Because, again, the law's passed, and now it's up to Treasury to provide guidance on the actual law that's passed. And so... If they come out with the regs within the next one, two, three months, then you know you can expect that they'll make the businesses, Coinbase, Gemini, Binance, start reporting on all of this stuff by the following year. Are these exchanges in touch with CoinLedger? Like, yeah, yeah, we I have. Mean, I mean, we know everyone. We know everyone in the space. Um, yeah, so it's all. You know, I don't want to. <clears throat> say things like definitively but everyone's still trying to like figure out the best way to go about and actually implement this stuff right it's just and i think david this is why i think there's so much confusion when it comes to crypto taxes like we started off the interview and you mentioned it's very clear that you know and it is like to a certain extent but to the the other extent it's actually not it's like a huge mess right it's like what is going on you know and rules will change and we'll probably see a change like you said next year but what is it that crypto investors in order to pay their taxes and not violate the law because Mm -hmm. i'm assuming there are consequences if they don't pay their crypto taxes Mm -hmm. maybe there aren't but i assume there are um you know 
what is the best advice for those investors to focus on? Just individuals to focus on in order to get their crypto taxes paid. Yeah. So for the individuals, you can pretty much ignore most of what's been talked about at the end of this podcast, because the things I was just talking about is much more on, again, the enforcement side. How is the government's actually figuring out who should or be, shouldn't be paying taxes? But that actually doesn't have anything to do with what do you, a crypto investor, have to do? Because whether 1099 information reporting exists in the space or not, you still have to be reporting your gains, losses, and income from the space. So to answer your question, what should investors be doing? Pretty simple. Keep a good track and good records of what exchanges and wallets and any third-party platforms you've used to buy, sell, trade crypto, invest in crypto. Um, keep track of that, and either one, you know, plug all that, plug that all that information into a cryptocurrency tax software like CoinLedger, and will automatically generate the 8949 that you'd need for the end of the year and you're good to go. Either import that into TurboTax or give it to your tax professional. They'll know what to do with it. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. Is Again, if you're just a taxpayer in the space, you don't have to worry about all the crazy enforcement ways. Like If you're playing by the books and report, reporting your income, you have nothing to worry about. Um, so that would be my biggest advice is just keep good records of all the places that you've transacted with crypto and then report the associated income. Either you want to do that manually or you can use a platform like CoinLedger. Okay. Um, what about NFTs? So are NFTs considered the same when it comes to crypto taxes? Mm -hmm. Mostly, okay. yes. Um, there's one nuance, but first we can start at how they are the same is <clears throat> just like Bitcoin, Ethereum, what we've talked about, if you invest in an NFT, and if the NFT appreciates in value and you sell it, that that gain that you've realized is taxable income. Now, the, the only place where this is going to differ is the IRS has slightly different tax rates for if something is deemed as a collectible. So, you know, fine art has slightly higher capital gains tax rates than stocks. Um, and so that's just one area that's a little gray because as you know, not all NFTs are pieces of art. Um, some represent tickets or access to things. And so that's the only real area right now where an NFT would differ from an asset like Bitcoin is if it is deemed to be a collectible it could face a slightly higher long-term capital gains tax rate. So if it's deemed to be a collectible, you know, as you just mentioned, it can face that. But what if you have an NFT that has some sort of utility, like you join a club and their membership is an NFT, and they give you that NFT because you've joined the club. Mm -hmm. Is something taxable with that situation where you're just given an NFT for joining a club or you buy an airline ticket and the airline ticket is an NFT. Are you responsible for taxes associated with that? Mm -hmm. So right now, yes. But this is getting into like very gray areas. Um, 
And so like I have to like put on my, you know, conservative hat and be like, you should consult a tax professional, right? On these like super, you know, it's impossible for us to even capture every single use case of NFTs. Um, but by the book, the answer would be yes. And then the question would be, what is the fair market value of the NFT when you either bought it or received it? And if you bought it, again, you know, that's your now your cost basis in that asset is however much you bought it for. And if it appreciates in value and then you sell it, you realized a capital gain or loss. Um, but there are always going to be very strange ways that I'm not even aware of how these things are being used. And so it's always smart to consult with someone who is very, very well versed and understands what you, an investor, are doing. Mm -hmm. That's interesting, especially for this podcast, because we will have a lot of speakers come on that have NFTs associated mm -hmm. with what they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, brands that have NFTs. And so I'm just wondering if they've given thought of, about taxes and how that may work, or if people are just issuing NFTs because it, it helps with community and brand awareness. Um, there's definitely some consequences to think about. Right, like if the NFT does have value, right? Like let's say you, if the NFT can be sold on an open market for some amount of money, like you are receiving some form of income, even if it's just a brand giving you something, right? And that is a form of taxable income. Um, so I would echo your sentiment that a lot of people aren't aware um, and you know, it brings complications that you'd be wise just to understand so that you're not getting into any sticky situations when it comes to tax reporting. Right. I also wanted to ask you real quick about donating to charities when it comes to cryptocurrency, because some charities, especially through the Giving Block, which is a cryptocurrency, you know, it's an organization that works with charities that mm -hmm. accept cryptocurrency. And so you can donate crypto to different charities and that can actually help with taxes. Can yeah. you explain that? Yeah, pretty much at a high level. Again, it works the same with other forms of property like stocks or really anything in that you can donate appreciated assets, actually any assets, they don't have to be have appreciated, but you can donate them without realizing a capital gains tax event. And so it's a, it's a great way, like if you do want to support some charity that, you know, is important to you, um, you can donate tax-free property assets like Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency. So the simple example is if I invested $10,000 in Bitcoin and it's today worth, you know, $30,000, I can donate that $30,000 of Bitcoin to someone without me realizing $20,000 of capital gains. So, you know, if I personally wanted to benefit from that 30,000 Bitcoin, I sold it, I'd face a tax bill. But because I donated the property to someone else, you know, the IRS defines that as tax-free um, giving. Mm -hmm. They want to incentivize, you know, donations. Right. Did I skip any important questions or topics that you think the listeners should know about when it comes to crypto and taxes? Hmm. <clears throat> we didn't talk as much on just the ordinary income side, which may be slightly helpful. For example, for anyone who's earning cryptocurrency as income, let's say like you're working a job and you're paid in you know, maybe the company's underlying token or you're an NFT artist selling NFTs and you're getting paid in Ethereum. We talked a lot about capital gains and capital losses, but if you're getting paid in crypto, that is a taxable land. You're earning 
income in that cryptocurrency. And so you're booking income at the fair market value of the crypto at the time it was received. So let's say, you know, I did growth marketing for your company and you paid me one Ethereum on July 1st for services rendered. And let's say on July 1st, that Ethereum was worth $2,000. So I would realize $2,000 of ordinary income and that becomes my basis in that Ethereum moving forward. So I have $2,000 of income on July 1st and let's say on September 1st, I sell that Ethereum and I sell it for $2,500. So I have $2,000 of ordinary income on July 1st and then I have a $500 capital gain in September for selling it. And so I'm not taxed on the income twice, it's just one was a, was quote unquote ordinary income and then the second leg was capital gains. So this is where it gets a little bit more confusing but um, we didn't touch on that and I think it's helpful for a lot of use cases. People are earning income in crypto, not just buying and selling it. Okay, that is interesting. So two questions mm -hmm. based on that. And I have I have earned income in crypto before mm -hmm. yep. and I think I, works, I worked with Taxbit mm -hmm. um, because it was a big mess. This was, like, it was, you know, early on. And so that was when things were more messy than they are now. And right. they're still messy. Still messy. Um, so what if someone gets paid in Bitcoin mm -hmm. for a year, but they don't sell it mm -hmm. at all? Do they have to, I mean, I assume they have to report that they've been paid in Bitcoin, right? But is like, is that it? So in that case, you are realizing income because you're getting paid in crypto. So different than if you bought and just held it, uh -huh. right? Because you bought it. Now this is you got paid for your services in crypto. So you're realizing income at the fair market value of the crypto as you receive them. So let's say, you know, every month you got paid some amount of Bitcoin for the work you did. You're realizing taxable income for however much that Bitcoin was when you received it. And whether you sell it or not, that is, you know, income that you will pay income taxes on. Okay, got it. But now let's say you get, like you said, your example, $2,000 worth of ETH, yep. Ethereum, and then you sell it for $2,500 and you have a $500 capital gain. Yes. So that makes this whole thing a little more complicated mm -hmm. when reporting it. Right. How does that work? So <clears throat> the ordinary income will be reported as, well, actually, it, de it depends on w what you did. Like, was this a job? Was this for self-employment income? I don't, we won't, we won't get too deep, but that is just income. And so that could be reported as other income on your tax return. And you will pay a percent of taxes on that income you know, which is based on what income tax bracket you fall under. So bringing in all your income, let's say, you know, you fall into the $80,000 tax bracket, which is, let's say, 25%, you'll pay, you know, what, $500 of taxes from that income. On the capital gains side, which is when you dispose of it, um, that, you know, goes to the 89 49 and it depends if it was a short term or a long term gain and because you only held the ethereum for 2 months it's 
a short-term capital gain, which short-term capital gains have the exact same tax brackets as ordinary income. You're only getting cheaper tax brackets if you hold assets for longer than one year, which is known as the long-term capital gains tax rate. So that income will actually all wind up being paid the same amount of taxes on because it's all the same as ordinary income. Um, but capital gains is slightly different than ordinary income. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because I know CoinLedger is a software solution, mm-hmm. but the knowledge that you have is so great mm-hmm. when it comes to crypto and taxes. It's like I can, you know, I can only imagine how many people would just want to talk to you and hire you to just help them with their taxes. <clears throat> I'm sure yeah. you get that a lot. Yeah, well, I've been doing it for so long. I forget how much I know, right? To me, it all seems simple, but it totally makes sense. You know, the average person, like, it's like, oh my gosh. Well, well also because you don't find a lot of people today that know about it. Right. You know, CPAs, they're confused. Lawyers are confused. Right. My dad's a tax lawyer. He's confused. He doesn't know, you know, when it comes to cryptocurrency, right. um, he doesn't know. And I just think it's so that's one of the reasons why people are confused when it comes to crypto and taxes. You know, you have CoinLedger and that's great. It's a software solution. Right. But still, everybody's like, I, you know, I can't just go to like a crypto, you know, a, sorry, a tax lawyer and, and they'll know because they won't. That's right. Yeah, so I'm lucky, you know, we have a team uh, at CoinLedger, and so we have some of the best tax attorneys and CPAs who are very well-versed in crypto, you know, on our team. And Mm so I've curated some of the best people in this industry to obviously build CoinLedger alongside of, and, you know, a lot of their knowledge bleeds off on me. But we also have resources. If people do want to talk to a human who is familiar with crypto, you can go to CoinLedger and just click our accountant directory. And, you know, we have a directory of people who are well-versed in crypto who you could work with if you actually do want that hand-holding. Maybe you have a bunch of questions that you need to get answered. Um, And I'm also happy to answer questions where I can, but sometimes I get blown up. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and, ha- and CoinLedger, if I wanted to use it, mm-hmm. right, is that is it free? Is there a cost? How much does it cost? How does that work? Yeah. So CoinLedger, again, just works by connect your exchanges and we'll spit out your ending tax forms. You can plug those into TurboTax or give them to your tax professional. It's completely free to sign up, create an account, get started. You'll only ever have to pay us money if you want to download our auto-generated tax forms. So you can make sure everything's going to work for you. We show you everything. We'll give you the preview of all your gains, losses, and income. Um, to make sure, again, it's complete try before you buy. We don't want to like make create a barrier for anyone who, uh, again, just wants to test it out. So that's completely free. Um, and then anywhere from $50 to like $300, depending on how many transactions you're actually reporting on. That's kind of how our pricing flexes up or down. So if you have 20 or 30 trades throughout the year, it'll cost you like $50 to download our tax reports. Okay, got it. Um Shifting gears, because mm-hmm. I like to know a little bit, and I should have done this in the beginning, yeah. but a little bit more about the guests and what they do totally. outside of crypto. So mm-hmm. you play guitar, yep. right? Are, you're in a band, is yep. that correct? I am, I am. I, I've played in bands my whole life. Yeah. Um, love music, always have, always will. Um, and so, yeah, not just software guy. <laughs> That's rare to find. And you live in Austin as yep. well, which is cool. So I'm sure your band plays in Austin and mm-hmm. people in Austin can come and see you guys and be like, yeah, oh, come, David Come Coinledger. see Y'all Out Boy. That's the 
pop punk cover band cool. that we started many Ooh. many years ago <laughs> uh, shout out to y'all out boy and yeah austin is a great city i've i've been in i've been in austin for a while and i love i love austin and where are you from originally originally minneapolis minnesota but okay. i've been here for the past six years now Got it. Yeah. yeah, Austin is a very fun city, and mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot more of the crypto Web3 yes, people coming here. Um, so, David, before we wrap things up, anything you want to add if I missed anything? or I think we covered a lot. Um, my only plug is, you know, go test out CoinLedger for free, completely free. Um, it's at coinledger.io. Got it. Okay. And my only plug is to subscribe to Web3 Deep Dive and continue to watch the show because we're going to have more amazing guests on like yourself talk about uh, cool, interesting topics. Definitely. Okay. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me on. It was fun.